consider collecting the family on socks. Uh, might even get the kids to do it. Who knows? Um, who knows? We're carrying on our series, uh, The Powers, uh, looking at uh, Everyday Supernatural. And I've done some notes. I don't know quite why I did some notes, but I felt I should give you some notes so you've got them. Uh, and some things may come up behind as well. So hopefully that's all good. Let me pray. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for your goodness, your kindness to us, your faithfulness to us. Lord Jesus, we do bless you this morning. We do honor you again this morning, Lord Jesus. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you open up our hearts, would you open up our ears, that we would hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in the book, uh, Everyday Supernatural, which was written by Mike Pilavarchi and a guy called Andy Croft, from which we're taking this series from, Mike Pilavarchi tells a story uh, from when he was a student in Birmingham back in his student days, which must be kind of 40 or so years ago. And he says that he went to a famous healing evangelist who was basically talking about faith and saying that if you have enough faith, you can be cured of anything. And sitting in front of Mike Pilavachi was a guy in a wheelchair who had no legs. He had a couple of stumps, but he had no legs. And towards the end of the meeting, the evangelist said, if you are in a wheelchair, I want you to get up and start to walk now by faith. And Mike Pilavachi tells the story as how he watched this guy's two friends pick him up from the wheelchair and kind of hold him above the ground as this guy frantically moved, uh, you know, his, what was of his legs backwards and forwards and became red in the face and the two friends looked on awkwardly and clearly was becoming more and more exhausted, moving, you know, his kind of stumps, the parts of his legs that he had, but they didn't grow. Eventually, the two friends put him back in the wheelchair and looked a bit embarrassed and kind of walked off. And shortly afterwards, Mike Pilavachi says the meeting came to an end. People started to kind of filter out. And this guy was just sat there, kind of recovering his breath. And eventually, he kind of shrugged his shoulders and willed himself away. And Mike Pilavachi vowed that he would never be involved in a ministry that, as far as he was concerned, was as ugly as that. And he says that to this very day, he regrets not going over and giving the guy a hug and telling him that God loves him. It's a powerful story, and he tells it. You can watch it on YouTube. It's heart-rending, really. See, the truth is, if we want to see God move in increasing power and supernatural power, which is what this series is, we have to understand the connection between God's power and God's love. We have to understand this connection. There may have been some power of God in that meeting in Birmingham, but I think Mike Pilavachi would question how much love was in that meeting. You see, praying for healing should have drawn that man towards God, not leaving him feeling rejected by him. The last thing we want is more power and less love. Amen? And the way that you avoid that kind of mistake or error and yet see God move in increasing power is to understand that what we must seek isn't God's power. We mustn't seek after God's power. What we should seek after 
is God's presence. That should be our focus. Have a listen to what Moses said in Exodus 33, verse 15 and 16. This is Moses talking to God. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? If you do not go with us, if we do not have your presence, if somehow other people cannot see that your presence is with us, don't send us, God. Don't even send us, is what Moses says. Seek Jesus first. When we think about seeking God's presence, what we're seeking, put simply, is to be close to Jesus. It's not rocket science. Our goal must be relationship with Jesus, not simply power from Jesus. Christianity is not complicated. It's this invitation to live in relationship with God. And therefore, he doesn't send power like it's a parcel coming through the post from Amazon. He doesn't box it up and then send it and say, there you go, just crack on, use it where you fancy. It's just not the way that God does things, not how he uses, not how he wants his power to be used. The power of God cannot be separated from the presence of God. But of course, the truth is this. If you stand next to a fire, you'll get hot. You stand under a waterfall, you'll get wet. If you stay close to God, his power will begin to be manifest through you, will begin to work around you. And suddenly, guess what? The power for the supernatural breaking out in your everyday life and my everyday life just suddenly came on the agenda. If you've been in this church any time, uh, you may have come on one of our discipleship courses. Uh, the one that I love to do is about having a, having a quiet time, setting a time aside each day with God. And I do it every day. I do a bit of uh, reading God's Word. I do a bit of journaling. I write down the things that I think God said to me or what's happened in my life in the previous 24 hours. And then I pray about things that are going on, things that I feel God said, things that are happening in the day, have happened, people that I've heard of, what's going on. And you know, those are all good things. And I think if you want to stay or be spiritually healthy, they're all the things that we need to do. But do you know what I think the greatest benefit is from doing that every day is for me as a simpleton. I think it's this simple truth that it reminds me that God is God and I am his and I am with him all day. Whatever I do, I represent him. Wherever I go, he's with me. Whatever I need, he's got the answer or got the grace or got the ability. See, I am just so forgetful of the wonderful truths that I know. It's like I sleep and part of my memory gets wiped. I don't know how it happens. I, when I got a new phone, I had to reload all the apps. And I realized that a way to save memory on a phone is some apps can sit in the background 
They're kind of up there in the cloud, but they're not really on my phone. You know, you get a little cloud and an arrow, and when you press them, they come onto your phone, and you can use them. I think there are wonderful truths about my faith that somehow get, that somehow get lost in the cloud when I go to sleep each night. It's like they're there, but I wake up, and they're, they're kind of not here. And I think in the morning when I spend time with God, what happens is I kind of download those truths. They haven't changed, but it's like I suddenly remember them. My time with God reminds me, today's a day with God. Today is a day with God, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. Today is the day I get to live with him. And therefore... I'm going to seek to be close to him today. I'm going to seek to involve him in what I'm doing today. I'm going to ask him, God, what do you want me to do? My, my, my time with God does have benefits of growing in my understanding of the word and being faithful in praying for people when I say I'll pray for them. Absolutely. But the single biggest thing it does is just remind me who I am, who God is, before I go through the door and step out into the day. Seek Jesus first. What really makes us different? When we think about maybe supernatural, you know, everyday supernatural, and you think about supernatural, you know, I think we can wonder, you know, is this all about walking around with special powers? I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I loved Superman and all the comic books. Uh, you know, does supernatural mean we're going to put our pants on outside our trousers? You know, we're going to walk through walls. Are we going to be able to spray a web out of our wrist? I never got that with Spider-Man. It never seemed particularly helpful. Do you know what I mean? I mean, being invisible I get, flying I get. Oh, there's a spider's web over there. It doesn't never seem to me to be particularly useful. But it's nothing, it's not about that. If you read the passage, as Moses, he understood what it was that really set God's people apart. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses knew they might have the best economy, the biggest military. Uh, they might have had wisdom and knowledge. But if they didn't have God's presence, they had nothing Nothing that distinguished them from all the other people on the face of the earth. And guess what? What is true for God's people back then is true for us today. The only thing that sets you and I apart or different than people who don't know God is the fact that we know God. That's all that makes us different. It's not that we're better, cleverer, more moral. It is that we know God. It's never really been about what we can do. It's never really been about what we can do. It's always been about the one that we're with. It's always been about the one that we are with. And so if we want to experience more of God's supernatural power in our everyday lives, then we're going to need to be those who are seeking more of God in our everyday lives. Seeking to walk close to him those who are desperate for his presence not those who kind of go through a day and say oh god sorry uh, sorry too busy today 
Oh, sorry, I didn't have any, any time. I, I did mean to spend some time with you, but a few things came up, and they were all much more important than you, and I'm now going to sleep. Uh, thank you, night. Isn't that, it's not, it's not going to do it. It's not how it's supposed to be. It's like Moses. We're to be those who say, God, I'm not walking out the front door this morning unless you go with me. Because God, the people that I meet and the things that I do and the people that I come to interact with, if you're not with me, God, I'm, what's the difference? I'm no different than anybody else. I have nothing different to offer than anybody else. God, you've got to go with me. When I step out of this front door, whatever comes, good, bad, and ugly, and they'll probably all come in most days, God, whatever comes and whoever comes, I need you with me, God. And of course, the issue is not God not wanting to come with us. The issue is us not recognizing that God is with us. <laughs> the issue is here, which is why I say, my quiet time reminds me, no, no, God is with me and I need him with me. If we want to see what Jesus wants us to do, we've got to be looking at him. We need to be looking at him while he's directing us to do what he wants us to do. If we want to hear what Jesus is saying to us, we've got to be close. We've got to be listening. It's no good being three fields away uh, and paying no attention. We just won't hear what Jesus wants to say to us. In the, in the book, Andy Croft tells this story about when he met one of his heroes of faith, a guy called Brother Andrew. Some of you might uh, have heard of this guy. Back in the day when uh, Eastern Europe was, uh, was very much all under communism and you couldn't take Bibles into places like Russia, Brother Andrew would pack up a couple of suitcases with 50 Bibles, a toothbrush, and a pair of pants. And he'd drive to the border and he'd pray, God, you made blind eyes see, now can you make seeing eyes blind? And they'd get to the border, and literally there would be 50 Bibles, and you're not allowed to take them into Russia, you're not allowed to. The guards would open them up, look at 50 Bibles, toothpaste, and a pair of pants, and say, fine, go through. And he took thousands of Bibles into Russia, into the behind the Iron Curtain. And actually, later on, God took him to meet with drug barons and terrorists and all manner of people uh, to tell them about Jesus. And when Andy Croft got to meet Brother Andrew when he was in his 80s, he asked him, what's the secret? How can I be involved like you were in these amazing, supernatural, crazy things that you did? And Brother Andrew gave him this very profound answer. He said, stick close to Jesus. Stick close to Jesus. And Andy Cross says in the book, he says, well, I, was a, I came away, I was a bit underwhelmed, really. I was a bit disappointed. Can it really be that simple? But he says, over time, I've realized that the one foundational key to becoming increasingly tuned in to the supernatural and the possibilities of what God might have us do is to pursue relationship with Jesus to put our focus on seeking to be close to him. Seeking relationship with Jesus, not power from Jesus. Seek one thing. Seek one thing. Seeking to be close to Jesus, it, it, it can sound so simple. I get what Andy Croft was saying. Sounds too simple. And we might be tempted just to write it off. But you know, as we look through the Bible... 
We see it with biblical character after biblical character. Think about King David. This man was full of God's power. He got raised from being a shepherd boy to being the greatest of Israel's kings. He won great military victories. Even when God took the army and and whittled them down to just a handful of men, David still led them to mighty victories. He defeats Goliath. He had personal victories. He slays bears and lions and whatever else. I mean, he just had all that. And yet, when you read the Psalms, many of which David wrote, you realize he wasn't seeking military glory. He wasn't seeking power. He was pursuing God's presence. Psalm 27, David says this, One thing, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Doesn't sound like a military commander that I read about today. For in the day of trouble, David said, he'll keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high on a rock. The thing David sought was to sit in God's house, to gaze on God's face, to be in God's presence. David realized that it was God that was going to give him strength, that was going to give him victory, going to give him comfort. He said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Not because evil did not frighten David, but because David knew the one who he was with. For you are with me, he says. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Even after he had sinned with Bathsheba, he cried out for mercy from God in this way. Psalm 51, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And of course, it's not just David, but we see many other biblical characters. They're desperate for the presence of God. Many of them we see, they echo the psalmist in Psalm 42 when he says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God, thirsts for you, longs for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? And this panting and this desperation, don't think of, you know, Bambi, you know, prancing around the new forest, lovely England green with streams everywhere. No, no, this is an image from the Middle East. This is a dry and arid place. This is a deer that's panting for water like it's life and death. And they're saying, actually, God, this is how I pant for you. This is how I thirst for you. So we have Moses. One of God's great leaders, given the law, led the people through the Red Sea, saw the miracles, the manna from heaven, but he knew, no, no, the key is the presence of God. That's the key. David, greatest military leader the people of God ever had, literally cried out for the presence of God. He could have sought more power, more wealth, but he had one driving ambition, to be in God's presence. And today, those like Brother Andrew, who you've been used in remarkable ways, are uncompromising. Their focus is not 
in the power of God to have wonderful stories to tell. It is in being in the presence of God and then doing what he says. And then if he does amazing things, then give him all the glory. That is the way that it is to work. They're not seeking power from him, but they are seeking relationship with him. They want to be close to him. And I think along the way, they've discovered a profound secret. The power is in the presence. I would get you to say that, but I hate it when preachers do that, so I'm not going to. But I'm going to say it to you again. The power is in the presence. It's not so much who we are, but it is all around who we are with. God is seeking us. Of course, the funny thing, though, is this. The one who wants to impress upon us the importance of seeking God's presence is God himself. He's quite good, isn't he? I mean, we sang it earlier that God is good. He's very good. And it's him who actually is seeking us. The entire story of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, does communicate that God wants us to move in supernatural power. He does want us to see miraculous things done in and around us. But it's always out of this desire that we might live a life of intimacy with him. It's God who wants to draw us close. It's God's desire that men and women whom he created live close to him. Just think, Adam and Eve, they walked with God. That's how they started. They were close with God. But then their rebellion, their sins, separated them from God, separated them from each other. They hid from God. And the truth is that every human being that is born since kind of is born hiding from God. And really the rest of the story of the Bible is the story of God going out of his way to draw sinful and hiding people back to himself. At the very heart of Israel's calling was that they would be a people of God's possession, that he would live amongst them. That's what Moses said was going to distinguish them from everyone else. And when Israel, the people of God, chose to walk closely with God, to seek him, to worship him, to obey him, so they were blessed. But unfortunately, over a period of time, they did what any of us would have done, which is to repeat the sin of Adam and Eve. They chose independence. They decided they'd ignore God. They decided they knew better than God. They thought, you know what, I'll ignore you. I'll, I'll, I'll seek after other gods who are no gods at all. And eventually, again and again, God reminded them and they repented. They did it again, they did it again. And God withdrew his presence. And they were exiled and Jerusalem was destroyed. And it looked like that was going to be the end of the story. Read up to the end of the Old Testament. Looks like that's going to be the end of the story. But you know, God is very determined. God is very determined, and he was always going to outwork his plan to draw rebellious people close to him. He was always seeking, always seeking. And so Emmanuel, God with us. So despite the fact that people kept distancing themselves from God, he didn't distance himself from them. 
In fact, God went the other way. God raised the stakes. God said, I'm going to come closer. I'm not, I'm not going to be in a tent or a tabernacle. I am going to come right in your face. John 1 verse 14, the word talking about Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. If you play poker, it's like God doubled down. He said, if you won't come to me, I'm going to come to you. Here's my son. He's going to live right among you. He's going to be that close to you. <laughs> Born to a virgin, lived among the people, Jesus, the one who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See, we receive life by being close to Jesus. When people drew near to Jesus, you find they get life. You find like the paralyzed man gets healed. He gets forgiven. To be near Jesus, suddenly all this supernatural stuff of healing, forgiveness, all starts to break out. Why? Because Jesus is life. When Jesus was born, he was given the title Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is good and he's not very subtle sometimes, is he? Here's my son. I'm going to give him a couple of names, like he's going to die for your sin, like God with, God with you. This is how God works. He's not trying to hide anything. He's trying to be very upfront with people. So when Jesus was born, he's given this title, God with us. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said to his disciples, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. On the cross, Jesus took our sin. He was cut off from the Father. Jesus was separated from the Father for a moment in history so that you and I, if we're Christians, will for all eternity never be separated from him. So there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. See, along with Adam and Eve, we went into hiding. That's where we were. We were in hiding. The whole human race was in hiding. But you know what? On the cross, Jesus sought us and found us. And from that moment on, we never need to hide from him again. Hallelujah. He was cut off so we could be drawn close. Because there was a day in history when Jesus hung on the cross and was separated from his father. Guess what? That means that I get to live this day and tomorrow and all my days in God's presence. That's what it means. Which is why my daily Bible reading, journaling, prayer, that's what it reminds me of. Today is a day I get to live in the presence of God because of what Jesus did. Today is the day when I get to live in the presence of God because of what Jesus did. Tomorrow's a day I get to live in the presence of God because of what Jesus did. And now, God within us. Just when you thought it couldn't get better. God, God does it again. God doubles down again. <laughs> to begin with, he's with his people doing miracle signs, wonders, tent tabernacle. Then he says, right, okay, I'm going to send my son. He's going to come be right in your face. Now, God says, right, do you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to go again. How about this one? How is God presence with us now if you're a Christian? 
Well, by his Holy Spirit. Listen to this promise, John 14, 16 to 17. I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. The Spirit, capital S, talking about the Holy Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I would get you to say in you, but I won't because I don't like it. I'm going to say it again. He's going to be with you, and guess what? He's going to be in you. Outrageous. Jesus, the one and only Son of God, saying, I've got to go to be with the Father, but I'm going to send another. He's going to be just like me. It's the Holy Spirit. Guess what? He's going to come be near you. No, guess what? He's going to come and live inside of you. It's remarkable. Paul made it this, that, his life goal to share. Colossians 1, Paul says this, a mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The great secret, the mystery that Paul's talking about, the one that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, is not Christ beside us. It's not even Christ near us. It's Christ in us. I'm excited about that. It's Christ in us. So the key to living a life of supernatural power is to understand that the power is in the presence. It's as we're close to Jesus. It's as we stay close to him and obey him, we see him move in us and through us. And the power is in the presence and the presence is in us. God, 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 when I stand back and think about it for a moment, I don't think God could do anything more. I don't think he could do anything. anything. What else could he do? The Old Testament is with his people, tent, tabernacle, doing stuff, speaking to them by his prophets. It's not that God left them, but then he sends his son. It's remarkable. I'm now going to send my son in the flesh. He's going to walk with you, talk with you, hug you, clean your feet. He's going to teach you going to hang on the cross and die for you and then finally God says I'll tell you what let's go all the way shall we I'm going to send my Holy Spirit he's not going to live near you he's not going to be down the road in that building he's not going to be difficult to find because I'm going to put him in some remote corner of the globe that you have to trek 27 years to find he says no no I'm going to put my Holy Spirit, I'm going to put part of me in you. Always with you. Always available. Always there. I don't think there's anything more that God could do to draw people close to himself. So I'll conclude. The power is in the presence. And the presence is in us. And if we want to see more of the supernatural in our personal lives, we want to see more of the supernatural in our corporate life as a church, then what we need to focus on, what we need to seek individually, is not power, but it's relationship with Jesus, to seek his presence. But can I just say, when we're seeking his presence, it's not like, but I don't know where to, I don't know where to look. If only I knew where he was. He's here. <laughs> if you're a Christian, he's here. I'm just going to pray for us.
Lord, in all my silly joking and other bits, Lord, I do pray that you would help us to grasp this incredible truth that we are now temples of your Holy Spirit, that you live inside each and every one of your children. And Lord, I pray for myself, my brothers and sisters here, that Lord, we would realize maybe in fresh ways, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, that you are with us, that you are in us, that we can hear your voice, that we can do the things that you did because of that. Lord, I pray for it. I pray for it. I pray, Lord, for it, that we would bring you glory and that we would see your kingdom come in the people and the lives around us. In Jesus' name, amen.